Today on Hardwired. What was going on in the days of Noah that Jesus said, it's going to look like that when I come back? Well, thankfully, Genesis 6 tells us a lot about the days of Noah. Christians need to know the truth, and I want you to understand. See, we're not supposed to be like people in the dark. We're supposed to be people that are in the light and that understand the times. And so if Jesus answered this question, knowing that it didn't pertain to the disciples that asked him the question, but that it reached way down in time, then there's something he wanted us to know. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin talking today about what Jesus said regarding the last days. He and the disciples were walking out of the temple for the very last time, and the disciples looked at the temple and started bragging on it. And Jesus said, not one stone is going to be left upon another in this temple. Well, this just blew them away. And they said, well, when will these things be? And while we're at it, Lord, what will be the signs of your return? And Jesus launched into the longest prophecy of his entire ministry. And he went through the signs of his return. And one of them was, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, Genesis 6 tells us all about the days of Noah. And we're going to be talking about that today and seeing what Jesus meant by the days of Noah. So grab your Bible, grab a pen, something to write with, and let's jump right into the message as it was in the days of Noah. I think this is really going to be a blessing. I want us to look at Matthew 24, verse one through three, and we're gonna set up this message on the return of the Lord. Now Jesus and the disciples are coming out of the temple, and that's where this picks up, Matthew 24. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And they were bragging on the beauty and the splendor of this incredible temple of God. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone is going to be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Everybody say, wow. It's like if I told you right now, before long, Fort Worth is going to be gone. Just gone. You would say, what? And you know what you would say next? When will these things be? And that's what they said. Let's look at it. Uh, the very next verse. And he came to them privately saying, or they came to him saying, tell us, when will these things be? When is this going to happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now notice Jesus did not refute the question. Jesus didn't say, what are you talking about? I'm not coming back. Jesus agreed with the question, and Jesus answered the question. So clearly, the Lord Jesus Christ fully anticipated returning 
a second time. Now, I just want you to notice that after Jesus spoke this about the temple being leveled, they asked him three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus answered accordingly and predicted things near and things far away. Predicted things close that the disciples would see in their time. And then he went way down the tunnel of time and spoke about our day. So first the temple, Jesus said, would be destroyed. Now about 40 years later, just so you know a little bit of history, 40 years later or so, from the time Jesus spoke this, Titus and the Roman legions entered Jerusalem and they totally leveled this incredible temple. A million Jews and then some were destroyed, were slaughtered. And it was a terrible, terrible slaughter. Things I can't even really relay to you on a Sunday morning. It was just a terrible thing. And it happened because they had not known the time of their visitation and had rejected and even crucified the Son of God. So the temple was leveled. Not one stone was left on another, just like Jesus said. Now, I ask you a question. If he was right about that, then is he not right about the rest of what he said? I mean, he was right about that 100% accurate. It happened just like he predicted. So then the second question, they said, well, then what are gonna be the signs of your coming? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? And those two things really are one and the same. What's gonna be the signs of your coming? What can we look for? And what will be the signs at the end of the age? Now, what Jesus responded to didn't pertain to them because they would have all died and gone to be with the Lord by the time these things happened. But he was speaking to you and to me. He shared with them things to look for right before he returned. Now, the whole reason they even asked him that question was because they knew the Bible talked about the Messiah coming once and the Messiah coming again. They knew the Old Testament prophecies. They knew what the Bible predicted, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, minor prophets, Micah, predicted the return of Jesus a second time. He came the first time as the Lamb of God. He comes the second time as the Lion of Judah. He came the first time to die for our sins. He comes the second time to judge the world. That's what they knew. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, John writes, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye shall see him and even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. He'll come again. Now that's not the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is not seen by every eye. The rapture of the church is mysterious. It happens like a thief in the night. The trumpet will blow. The dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. The second coming is seen by every eye on earth. Every eye shall see him. Even those who pierce him, all the tribes, all the ethnos is the Greek word ethnos or ethnicities. All the ethnicities of the world will see him and mourn because of him. They'll be mourning because they missed him. They missed the chance to come to him. And by the time he returns in the second coming, it will be to judge the world. It will be eternally too late to come to him. Now notice that 
First, in Matthew 24, Jesus gave many general signs that you probably have heard messages about. He talked about the beginning of sorrows. He said, it's gonna be like a woman going into birth pangs. The birth pangs grow closer and closer together with increasing frequency and intensity until the baby is born. He said, in the same way, there is going to be an increase in the intensity and the frequency of earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars and rumors of wars, betrayals, and so on and so forth that he mentions in Matthew 24. But then he gave two other signs that I wanna look at in the next two weeks. He talked about two other things that I've never preached on in a, in a whole message this way. But he talked about the sign of Noah and the sign of Lot. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37. First talking about Noah. And remember, keep in mind, he's answering the question, what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? So Jesus is answering the disciples. And he says, as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you get that? He's saying the same thing that was happening during Noah's time is gonna be happening in the day when Jesus returns a second time. Now you gotta go to the book of Luke to pick up what he said about Lot because Luke adds this that Matthew didn't. Luke 17, verse 28, Jesus goes on answering the question. He says, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot when I return. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying, selling, farming and building until the morning that Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Now I want you to know something. Jesus affirmed the story of Noah and the flood and Jesus affirmed the story of Sodom. To Jesus, the great flood and the judgment on Sodom were historical realities. So when these people go around and say, oh, there was no great flood, and that didn't really happen to Sodom, and if it did, it was like a, you know, something happened naturally, like a volcano blew up or something, but no, Jesus said the fire came from heaven, and he said that God sent the great flood so if Jesus accepted it, that's good enough for me. Amen? There was a great flood. Now, Jesus lets us know that the days of Noah and the days of Lot and the time period in which he returns are going to have striking similarities. So first, knowing that, then what were the days of Noah like? What was going on in the days of Noah that, Jesus said, it's gonna look like that when I come back. Well, thankfully, Genesis 6 tells us a lot about the days of Noah. Now, I gotta tell you right now, this isn't gonna be pretty. And he said, well, then why are you preaching it? Because Christians need to know the truth, and I want you to understand. See, we're not supposed to be like people in the dark. We're supposed to be people that are in the light and that understand the times. And so if Jesus answered this question, knowing that it didn't pertain to the disciples that asked him the question, but that it reached way down in time, then there's something he wanted us to know. Amen? 
So Genesis 6 tells us four things. It gives us four characteristics of Noah's generation that will characterize our world before Jesus returns. This is what we can expect to see. This is what we can expect to observe with our own eyes as his appearance draws near. Now I want you to say them with me. They are great apostasy, great wickedness, great violence, and great apathy towards God's warnings. So well, that's a jump up and shout message, but it's the truth. And I want you to understand why when you look at our culture and our world today, you cannot believe what you're seeing. Now, first we see that the days of Noah were a time of apostasy. What is apostasy? It's not backsliding. If somebody backslides, they fall off into some kind of sin, but they never really lose their faith in Christ and they don't renounce Christ. They don't abandon the faith. They just backslide and get messed up in something and eventually, sooner or later down the road, God gets hold of them and they turn. But apostasy is when a person abandons the faith. They renounce the faith. An apostate is somebody who knew the truth, walked in the truth, was aware of God, aware of the realities of God, and yet they decided they were gonna walk away and they renounce him, they deny him, they walk away from him, they abandon the faith. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I wanna share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. And the Bible says that in Noah's time, there was a great apostasy and it's described in the first two verses of Genesis 6. Let me read it to you. It's not gonna sound like apostasy when I first read it, but I'll explain it to you. It says, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose, period. Now we say, well, what's wrong with that? That was just people getting married. Key words here are this, and I want you to say them with me. Sons of God, daughters of men. Those are the two key phrases in those verses. So we got two people we need to identify. The sons of God and the daughters of men. Okay, first of all, who are the sons of God? The sons of God refers to the righteous lineage of Seth. Now remember with me that Adam and Eve's first two boys were Cain and Abel. And what did Cain do to Abel? He killed him. Cain became the first murderer. And if you look at Cain and his lineage, his descendants, they were evil. His descendants became the enemies of God all through the Bible. Some of the giants came from the descendants of Cain. But then they had a third son, and his name was Seth. And the Bible says that, they, that God comforted Adam and Eve by this new boy, this new child, Seth. And we see that Seth's lineage 
was righteous. It was a godly lineage. As a matter of fact, it says that Seth's descendants began to call on the name of the Lord. And that means they were seeking God, wanted God, longed for God, were calling out to God, had a heart for God. Seth's descendants. So the sons of God refers to those of Seth's lineage. That was the sons of God. And they produced righteous men. If you look at Seth's descendants, there were men like Methuselah, who lived longer than any other man, 900 and something years he lived. I think 967, something like that. So when he was 400, he was just starting to date. Okay? Then you had Enoch. Enoch was another descendant of Seth. Enoch was raptured. Enoch in the Old Testament was raptured and taken to God and said he did not see death because he feared and walked with God. And then another one of Seth's descendants was Noah. So he had all these righteous men, these godly men were in the lineage of Seth. And that was the sons of God identified in Genesis 6. Now, watch this. Seth's descendants, according to Genesis 6, began to defect from a solid walk with God. And here's what they did. They began to intermarry with the daughters of men. And who were the daughters of men? It was the female descendants of Cain. They were not godly women. They didn't seek God. They didn't have a heart for God. And so what happened was the descendants of Seth, who had originally started out right, they began to compromise their walk with God. They began to walk away from God and they began to intermarry with and compromise themselves with these women. And they apostatized in the process. They lost their walk with God. They made a choice. I have him or I can have these women. And the Bible says they chose the women. And here's what happened to them. They began to walk according to the lust of the flesh instead of faith toward God. The Bible says that the sons of God, Seth's lineage, looked and lusted after the beauty of the daughters of men, and having looked, they took. You know, we say this about lust and love. Lust can't wait. Love always waits. Love has no problem waiting. Lust has a real problem waiting. And these men were walking in lust. It says they took these women. Now, the word took is from a Hebrew word that almost always means to seize forcefully. So there was this, uh, well, let me just put it this way. There was no romance involved. There was no love. There was no courting. There was no seeking God over their decision to get married. They just decided to walk after what seemed right in their own eyes and their eyes and what they saw began to rule their life. And they looked and they took. And not only that, but they committed polygamy. Clearly, they took many wives. They, they well, I like that one, she's pretty, and they took her. That one, I took her. That one, took her. And so they were living according to the flesh. They apostatized. They lost their walk with God. So we have a righteous people who apostatized away from faithfulness to God and descended into a life of lust and compromise. As a result, here's what happened. They became indistinguishable from the lost and fallen world around them, like many believers today. Let me tell you something. If people look at your life and they can't tell the difference between you and somebody that lives in the world, there's something wrong with your faith. No, I'm seriously, folks, listen, when Jesus comes into your life, he makes a difference. That people ought to be wondering, what's wrong with you? 
or what's right with you? So watch this now. It was at this very time when it says that the sons of God intermingled with the daughters of men. It was at this very time in the very next verse that God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Stop a minute. Watch this. Look, why would God say that? Because God was saying, I've tried to reach you. I've tried to talk to you. I've tried to woo you. I've tried to convict you. I've tried to tell you the truth. I've tried to get you away from what you're doing and intermingling with these women and with this lifestyle and with this belief system that is not yours, but you have allowed yourself to be compromised and now you have apostatized. So I'm letting you know that now I'm putting a time limit before I bring judgment. So God says, next, in the same verse, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, he is not saying there that man was gonna live 120 years now. He wasn't saying you're gonna live 120 years. Here's what he was saying. 120 years from now, if you don't repent and turn, I'm gonna send judgment. The hourglass was turned upside down, church. Do you know that it was here 120 years later from the time God uttered this, and you can track this in the scripture, it was 120 years later that Noah walked into the ark and God shut the door and the water began to fall. Please understand with me today that a human being or a nation cannot thumb its nose at God and grievously sin against God and not eventually come under judgment. Now, I know we don't hear much about this anymore, and that's too bad. That's sad, because we should. Because, listen, it says the righteous understand judgment, but the wicked don't understand it. So if we're supposed to, as God's righteous, blood-bought people, we should understand judgment. And can I tell you, I know that if America doesn't turn, America is going to come under judgment. Oh, don't say that, Pastor Jeff. Well, it's the truth. What do you expect me to say? I'm reading the Bible. Okay? 120 years from that time, the flood came. In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle wrote that there would be a great apostasy, just like in the days of Noah, before the return of Christ. He says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days, some will turn away from the true faith. That's apostasy and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And our culture is loaded today with teachings that come from demons. Teachings that refute the blood of Jesus, the reality of heaven and hell, the word of God, as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So what can we expect to see as the church, the real church, the blood-bought church gets brighter and brighter and more and more ready as a bride, ready to meet her groom, then outside the world is gonna be getting darker and darker and darker. And the Bible says that first there's gonna be an apostasy. Now, the second thing that's in Genesis 6 that is a mark of Noah's day was great wickedness. Listen to chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, think about that statement. What a picture that not one time, let me try to put this in English. They had reached a place in Noah's day that not one thought 
that arose in the minds of men were righteous, clean, holy, or God-honoring. Not one. God looked. God saw. God x-rayed that ancient world. And he said, never once does a God-honoring, righteous, good thought enter their mind. Every underlying motivation behind each and every thought was only evil continually. No wonder God finally said, I'm gonna have to judge it. A total corruption of men's character had occurred. Now, let me ask you a question. Do we see this happening in our world today? Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.